Well, good morning, church. You all doing well today? Great. I'm going to talk to you about a practice today, uh, actually two practices they call silence and solitude. And the first time I actually experienced it, it was unintentional. I didn't set up to do it, but actually I was about 19, 20 years old. And I was going up to Michigan. It was about a three and a half hour drive. And I got in my car all by myself and my radio was broken. Now, I don't know about you, but three and a half hours with my own thoughts. That was big for me at that age. Because you know what? I always had noise around me. Always had music on, always had people around, always had, you know, something was going on. I was busy, I was in a hurry, there was noise, there was everything. And I got into this car for three and a half hours in total silence. And it was right about the time I hit the Michigan border, I'll never forget it. I realized how loud it was in that car. But the noise wasn't out here, the noise was in here. I was totally out of touch what was going on inside of my heart and in my mind. But after about three hours, uh, probably about two and a half hours, I had another hour in Michigan to go, all of a sudden, the noise and the reality of what was going in my heart smacked me in the face. For the first time in my life, I got in touch with what was going on deep inside of me. And I got to tell you, it wasn't pretty. It shook me, to be honest with you, because I realized the things in my heart were not pretty. You know, God desires truth in our innermost being. Turn to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. If you're newer to the Bible, it's pretty much right center of the Bible, the book of Psalms, chapter 51. This is a psalm where David was confessing his sin to God after he had been confronted by the prophet Nathan. And now he was in God's presence, and starting in verse 6, he said this, Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being. And in the hidden part, you will make me know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquities. You want to know joy that's at the core of your being? You want to know rejoicing in that ongoing heart and song that goes on deep within you? It comes with two things happen. One is when you're clean, deep inside, you've been washed by the blood of Jesus and your sins are forgiven. And the other thing is when truth is at the core of your being. It's what's driving your life. You know, um, many people have, Christians that know the Bible, have truth in their head, but
but it's never reached down here to the core of their being. You realize that 95% of our decisions, of our behavior, of our actions is driven by our subconscious, and we don't even know what's going on in there. That's that stuff deep down in here. Only 5% are we aware of. And so many Christians, while they may have their head filled with a lot of Bible truth in that 5%, it's never gone deep down in here to transform them at the core of their being in the way they think in their subconscious, that 95%, the place that really drives their decisions and their behaviors and their attitudes and their emotions. And so, so many of us are out of touch. I'll never forget a time... um, there were some rumors going around about me. It's not, it wasn't a good rumor for a pastor. The rumor was is that I was going out drinking after the board meetings. And that really bothered me. And you just need to know, if you hear that rumor, if it's true, then come get me because I'm in deep trouble. Because I don't drink not because I'm so holy. I don't drink because I'm afraid of drinking because I destroyed my life with alcohol and drugs before I came to know Jesus. And so... That wasn't true because I'm scared to death to touch alcohol. So I I was bothered, though, because it's just not a good rumor to go around for a pastor. He's out drinking after the meetings. And so I got some of the leaders together, and we were praying about it. And I'll never forget the prayer of my good brother, Bill Mills. In the midst of this meeting, Bill prayed this. He says, God, I'm not so concerned about the lies that are going on about Pat out there. I'm concerned about the lies that are going on inside his heart that he's believing. And boy, was he on target. (laughs) You know, there's so much down here that I was believing that was not connected with the truth that this guy went through Booty Booty Bible Institute, went to Dallas Seminary, was studying every week, preaching every week. Out of that 5%, I could bring you all the truth, but deep in my being, there was a disconnect between the truth that was in my head and the truth that's in my innermost being. I love what Psalm 15:1 says. I have a PowerPoint of that up here for you. Oh Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? He who walks in integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. God desires truth in our innermost being. You want to walk with God? You need to be a person that at the core of your being, not just in your head where you got the Bible information, but where truth has gone down into your life and has become a part of who you are and has transformed you at the innermost part of your being. I'm going to give you one more verse. I'm going to share it with you a practice to help us get there. Turn to John chapter 8. These were the words of Jesus about the same topic. John chapter 8. We're going to be in verse 31 where Jesus said this. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, 
then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now it's interesting. Um, let's take just a second. What is truth, by the way? You know, we've been throwing that around a lot. We're talking about truth in your innermost being. Well, truth basically is reality. Um, it's called, you know, people would talk about truth. It's correspondence to what is real. Now, in our culture today, guess what truth is in the world around us? They construct truth. Matter of fact, we're going to make up our truth. We're going to come up with talking points, and we're going to say it enough to people and have the right groups and the right medias and the right schools and the right whatever say it. And if we say it enough over and over again, have people in authority saying it, then people are going to believe it, and that's going to become the truth. See, people are creating truth today. But truth is grounded in God because God is truth. God is the ultimate reality. And Jesus, who's God, said that his word is truth. Sanctify them in truth. Make them whole. Set them free. How would you like to be as free as those two little girls were up here? who don't care who's in the crowd that's going on, they're just having a great time. That's freedom. And you know what? So many of us are restrained with so many things in our lives, whether they're addictions, whether they're habits, uh, whether they're weaknesses, you know, fill in the blank. We've got so many things that have us restrained and locked in. And Jesus said this, when you know what's real, and his word tells us what's real, and when that reality you know, because the word for no talks about a personal heart knowledge, not just an intellectual knowledge. When you know God's truth and the truth about God and the truth about what's really going on down here, you'll be set free. And how many of us don't want to know that joy and rejoicing and gladness that David talked about in Psalm 1, the freedom that Jesus talked about here in John 8? It's when truth, what's real, as communicated through this book, which tells us about the God who is truth, becomes such a part of not just my Bible knowledge, but it's gone down to the core of my being by the power of the Holy Spirit and in my subconscious, in the core of who I am, my innermost being, as David called it, the hidden parts are impacted by the truth. And that's the reality that begins to shape my life. And so what I want to talk about today are just two practices we can do that can help us. Let's get in touch. You know, I, I can't deal with truth down here unless I know what's going on down here, right? I got to be in touch, and that's what God did with me that day when I was just 19 years old, uh, driving up to Michigan. All of a sudden, I started to see things inside me that shocked me because I never was in touch with what was going on down here. And so God's given us two practices, which we're calling silence and solitude, that allows us to get in touch with God and in touch with ourselves. Simply define what silence? Quiet. <laughs> What solitude alone? And when you practice the two together, it's powerful. When I'm alone, no, I'm not with the TV blasting, with input coming from there. I'm not with other friends that are telling me what they think. I, I, I'm not listening, you know, all this stuff. But all I got is me and God 
who's alone in quiet. And God is beginning to show me what's going on as I sit there. So silence and solitude, when we practice them, these can be what they call watershed moments in your life. Turning points. Time when you look and say, my life will never be the same again afterwards. That happened to me again, just because this has impacted my life in a big way. I remember years ago, I was busy and in a hurry being a young pastor and going off and just all week full to the max with my schedule. And it was one of those times about this time of year, probably was more February, and there was black ice on our sidewalk. And I came walking out the front door like I was in a rush, and I, t- I literally did a 180. I mean, my feet went out from under me, my books went flying every direction, I was, and I came straight down like this. It didn't take long to know I was in trouble. There was a lot of pain. Got myself back into the house, uh, called up the church, said, hey, I'm not going to be there at least for a week. I remember laying in bed, and I prayed this prayer. I said, God, if if I've got to be in this much pain, at least use it. Make this time worth it. Brad, I appreciate all your amens, brother. You're connecting with me today, aren't you? And here we are, and I was saying, God, I'm in this pain. I can't go anyplace. Use it. And God did use that week. Laid up in bed, moved out from the normalness of my schedule, and there I was. And I decided to pick up a book that I always wanted to read, never had time to read. It was called Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. And as I was reading that book, God met me and changed my life forever. He really did. The book talks about the reality of the fact that when we come to know Jesus, the spirit of Jesus comes to live inside of you. And, for the, and I knew that biblically. I knew those truths. I probably could preach a sermon on it, lead a Bible study, could tell you this stuff, but guess what? That week, God opened up the eyes of my heart. And I saw it in the core of my being like I never saw it before that Jesus, by his spirit, lives inside of me and my life has never been the same since. Because I learned at that time the Christian life is not about me living for Jesus, but it's about Jesus living for me. And it's about the indwelling Christ expressing his life in me and through me and him working as the guardian, the shepherd of my soul. We learned about that last week that he's working in the core of my being, deep down in my soul, doing things to set me free from the enslavements of my life and to make me more like Jesus and to fill me with his joy and his love and his peace and his patience and his kindness, his goodness, his gentleness, his self-control. That's what he's about doing. And that's what happens that. And so I wanna tell you, let me give you some examples of scripture where we see this. Now, I'll tell you, there's two ways you can go into silence or solitude. One is you can do it intentionally, or the other one is like Psalm 23, he maketh me lie down. (laughs) 
I'd rather do it intentionally because I'll tell you what, God knows how to do the 180s and put you down on your back if he wants you to slow down and spend some time with him. So sometimes we get there because God has put us there because he's got to slow us down to speak to us. Sometimes when I think of scripture, I think of Hagar. When she was out in the wilderness and came to a spring and totally desperate and her young son Ishmael and just didn't know what's going to happen. God met her by the spring in the wilderness and gave her direction for her life and for her son Ishmael. And so here we have her driven away from all the people and everything. She's alone with God and God speaks to her direction for the rest of her life. How about Moses? Just out about his daily work, right? And what happened? He's out there doing his and looks, there's a bush that's on fire and it's not being consumed. What in the world is this? He goes over to look at this thing and God speaks to Moses through a burning bush. And in that time, God gave Moses a mission for the rest of his life about what he's gonna do the rest of his life. And God promised Moses to be with him. Another significant time of solitude of being with God. How about Jacob? Remember what happened with him? He's back, coming back with his whole family and his brother who had things against him. He was nervous about that, so he sent everybody ahead. And now Jacob's the last one in line and he's all alone. And what happens? God shows up. He literally wrestles with God all night. Now, some of you guys like the cage fighting, the UFC, whatever. How would you like being in a UFC fight with Jesus or God? You're just not going to win. And he wrestled all night with him, and God let him stay in the ball game. Then when he got done, he pressed on his socket and broke his hip. Jacob spent the rest of his life no longer. He was a schemer. That's what Jacob meant. He was a schemer. And that no longer could he live by his schemes, but now because guess what? I didn't have the body to pull it off. Now I got to depend upon God. And God promised to bless him at that time. And God gave him a new name, Israel. How about Elijah? When he went running from the queen, who was an evil queen who wanted to kill him, he went out running, running, is totally worn out, ended up in a cave all alone, And what happens? God shows up and speaks to him in a gentle breeze, in a gentle blowing. He heard the voice of God speaking to him. How about Jonah? Remember Jonah? Tried to run away from God. God God used a whale, get him back on track. And by the time it was done, after he had brought the message to this wicked nation, Nineveh, who had destroyed, who was going to be used by God to destroy his nation years later, Jonah went up and sat on a hill by himself, remember? And he was sitting there waiting just to see what God was going to do, hoping that God would rain judgment upon Nineveh. But what did God do? God showed his mercy and he confronted Jonah and said, Jonah, why shouldn't I be concerned about these people, and he confronted Jonah about his own selfishness, and he was more concerned about his own comfort than the people that were without hope in Nineveh. 
Then just one more. You know, we talked last week or a couple weeks ago, Jesus had the habit of what? Getting up early, going out alone into the wilderness and meeting with the Father. So we know Jesus did this. And then we see Paul, when you study his life, the first three years after he came to know Jesus, he went out to Arabia in the desert, and they believe that's where God really just poured into him the understanding of the person of Jesus and the gospel and just all the great truths that we now see in the New Testament. He was alone with God for three years in Arabia, meeting with him. So God has used silence and solitude and being alone with God in powerful ways throughout history. And he wants to do that in your life. So I'm going to give you a more full definition of solitude. It's this. Seeking aloneness in a place free of distractions for the sake of reflection and communion with God along with personal refreshment. Get away from all the distractions, all the noise, all the people, all the TVs, all the whatever, and I'm going to be alone with God. And even away from our iPhones, yes. And silence, creating an atmosphere of quiet in a place free of noise and a constant barrage of stimulation. So I'm not being stimulated by what others think. I'm not being stimulated by what the media thinks. I'm not being stimulated by what my friends think. I'm not being stimulated by anybody or anything except for God. And now I'm in silence before God and I'm listening to him and reflecting upon spiritual matters in my life. The values of this, really, I want to just mention four. When you become intentional, say, I'm going to get alone with God, free from all distractions and noise. First thing to do is it's going to break the stronghold of busyness. We all have this to-do list, internal to-do list. I got to do this. I got to do that. I, you know, it's just in there, and it drives us from the inside. Well, guess what? When I say, God, I'm intentionally putting aside my to-do list, and I'm going to take time to be intentional, to be alone with you in quiet, it begins to break the control that that internal to-do list has on our life, that sense of busyness and hurry, and I got to achieve. Because I say, I'm, I'm putting aside all achievements. I'm just going to meet with you, God, be alone with you. Gives us perspective. I mentioned this earlier for me. You get perspective about your own life. You get perspective about your own heart as you slow down and you start to, all this other stuff is peeled away and now you see who's the real Pat Peglo here? What's really going on inside of this guy? And I see how much the world has gripped and controlled me and I begin to see just the influence of what's going on and what God's doing. I gain perspective as I get alone from everything, pull away and meet with God. I get in touch with my own heart. I mentioned that. This, this will help you get in touch with yourself, but will also help you get in touch with God. A place where you can remove all the other distractions and noise and stimulation. Say, God, it's just me and you. Speak, Lord. Your servant listens. And God speaks life-changing direction and wisdom and showing you things we'd know no other way. As Ava comes up, I want to give you a quote about uh, this that has always inspired me. 
slowing down to hear God as you make decisions will keep you from spending years of your life painfully repairing the damage of mistakes. Wow. I guarantee you when you get my age, <laughs> uh, or if you, like me, made enough big mistakes, great, Ava, thank you, enough mistakes in your life, you get that. I would rather slow down, get in touch with God, get direction with, from God, rather than just rushing through everything, never stopping to see what God has to say to me, never getting in touch with what's going on, and you have no idea, and I've had to do this before, how many pieces you got to pick up. Scripture says, he that hastens with his feet errs. I encourage Moraine Valley, slow down. Get in the presence of God. Remove all the noise. Let God speak to you. And it will save you from years of picking up the pieces from serious mistakes you make. So I, I just asked Ava. Ava's been very intentional over the last year or so to try to practice silence and solitude for herself. And Ava, would you kind of tell us a little bit, uh, what does your time look like and how is it different from your normal everyday life? Well, yeah, I uh, have been truly trying to practice pulling away uh, from all the noise. See, the exterior life that I'm called to live is a good life. But my being a wife and a mother of adult children and being in community and friendships, it's just so much going on in the exterior, you know, where everyone can see. But where I've been shaped pastor and formed is in the interior of my life where I have uh, just taken time. Sometimes it's just a short time. When I was a young mom, it was a time in the bathroom and saying, don't you come in here. You stay right there, you know. But it was short and then sometimes are longer times and then sometimes are even longer times. But it's in the interior where I meet the Lord and hear his voice and wisdom and discernment and good judgment. And th those are the times where I may go for a long walk or I may go to another part of our town home. I just need to be with Jesus because um, my soul can't be uh, ministered to deeply in this part. This part is good. But I need this part. We all need to pull away for a period of time. And, and so what it looks like oftentimes is I'm saying, Lord, what do you want to say to me about me? Amen. That's what I'm saying. Because he has things on his heart that he wants to say to me about me. So that's what you know, like. I'm thinking when you entered into this, how does your heart respond? I'm thinking more so. I know for me, Ava, when I first did this, it took some time for my heart to slow down and settle enough that I could hear God's promptings. How about for you? What's your, how's your heart responding? How long does it take to settle down before this? You really say, man, God is speaking to me and showing me something yeah. here. Even from the beginning, even to now, like when I'm just sitting, uh, there's so many distractions. My heart can't settle down. I'm distracted. 
Things are coming into my mind. Uh, you know, even arrows coming into my mind, like, uh, Ava, you are inadequate, or I feel insecure, or all the things from the exterior comes crashing into the interior time that I want to be with Jesus. So I, ha I just can't settle my soul. I have to go back and say, Lord, will you settle me down? There's so much going on. Would you just settle me down? And I'm believing him for that. And sometimes I get up, and then I come back at another time, and I'm trying to spend just a little bit more time. Uh, or I'm taking a passage of scripture like Psalm 23. It's true. The Lord is my shepherd. Lord, will you unfold that for me? And sometimes when I'm concentrating on a little bit of the word of God, it helps to focus me. Lord, what do you mean by goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life? So, Pastor, I cannot settle my soul. I have to ask God to do that for me, in me, and through me, and hold me, and speak to me. Amen. Yeah, people that are new to it are going to be shocked to see how, how busy and how much the heart is running. Yes, right. <laughs> and how God needs to slow that down. Right. And hear that. So yeah. what, what have you found to be the biggest benefits of trying to be mm -hmm. before the Lord alone and quiet? So along the way, and it's, it's been a while, uh, you know, it's been a while, um, probably for a few years now. But along the way, one of the biggest benefits for me is to know that I really am loved. He has, be, he has along the way, probably to the day I take my last breath, assuring me through his word. You know, remember that uh, passage that you shared with us at staff meeting? As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Remain in my love, Ava. Be anchored in my love. So I am growing to know a little bit more that I'm loved. I really am loved. He really is with me and he has me and he's assuring me. And therefore, the people-pleasing Ava, the people-pleasing that I, that I need affirmation from people and I need people to like me and all that, that's dissipating because when, you, when I know I'm loved and anchored in his love and he's inviting me to be with him, then I face life much differently because I'm loved. As you say that, Ava, can't help but think we're saying, I mean, you've known Jesus about as long as I have, and we've known about God's love up here. That right. sounds like God is through this opening up to you the depths of his love. And that, again, yeah. that's changing everything from the inside out. It's changing everything. He uses people. He uses trials. He uses anxieties. He uses uh, a myriad of, of his wisdom to help me to uh, run to him instead of running to people. I mean, running to him instead of sulking in my disappointments. And, and he's just used some very hard, fiery areas to drive me into being hungry for him alone through the years. <laughs> so Eva, some maybe have never done this before. What would you encourage? What would you tell others who have never done this before? I would say uh, be where you are. I would say take a minute or two and, 
and, and try to pull away and sit on your sofa or go for a walk. I would say be honest with the Lord. Lord, I don't know how to do this, I don't, but I'm hungry for you. Will you, along the way, teach me and take me through? So don't judge your experience like, I didn't do this right. Because sometimes we're just sitting and, and longing for the Lord to speak to us. Or he'll speak to us through a, a passage in John. I remember Pastor Gary said, if you want to run into Jesus, read the book of John. Just, just a little bit at a time. Just a little bit. And the assurance is that the Lord Jesus wants to meet with you more than we want to meet with him. And the other assurance is, is that he's really there. He's really with us. And lastly, Pastor, uh, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Um, I have everything I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures, leading me beside still waters. But the last part impacts me the most. That's what happens in silence. He restores my soul. He refreshes me. Just take a little bit at a time. No hurry. Five minutes, three minutes, and just say, Lord, will you, what is on your heart for me today? Speak to me, Lord. And we're not talking about a time where you go and empty your mind and do some kind of Eastern meditation. We're talking about a time to be with God, meditate on his word, talk to him in prayer, trust him for wisdom and perspective on your life, and it's life's transforming. Thank you so much, Ava. Appreciate it. Thanks for sharing. Would you put that back over there? So let me just say this in closing. Ava just said, start where you are. Make it simple. You know, you don't have to start with a three-day retreat. I've done this before over three days where I've said, God, I'm just going to meet with you. I'm going to be alone with you. And uh, somebody allowed me to use their place, and I have did it more than once, and those were amazing. But starting, you say, maybe I just need to take my lunch hour. Those near pay, I'm going to go to Lake Catherine. You know, I'm going to go to a nice place or... You know, some of your mothers say, how could I ever do this? Well, you know what? Trade with your mate. I need a couple hours to be alone. Would you watch the kids? Then I'll watch the kids while you do it. Or trade with a friend. Uh, take 15 minutes. Take an hour. Take two. But the important thing is, is get away from the craziness of life to be alone with God. And God will transform you. His spirit who is truth, his word that is truth will cause truth in the innermost being to take root. And according to Jesus, you'll be set free. And Jesus said this, when the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. In fact, Jesus said this in John 10, 10. I'm going to close with this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Speaking about Satan. Satan has come to destroy your life. He wants to steal away what God wants to give you. Matter of fact, if Satan had his freedom, he'd kill you. He wants to kill you. That's his ultimate desire. He's a murderer from the beginning. So Satan's going to deceive. He's going to lie. He's going to steal from you the things of life. He's going to destroy the things that are good. But Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it 
abundantly. Brothers and sisters, there's a life available to us in the life of Jesus that is full and rich and abiding and eternal and freeing and life-changing and full of joy and rejoicing. Jesus said, I am the way. How do I get to God the Father? You get there through Jesus. I am the truth, what's real? Jesus is what's real, and I am the way. How do I get to the Father? We get there through Jesus. And he says that God so loved you. Ava just said that. God, you don't know how much God, he says God didn't just love you, God so loved you. God loves, no, no, God, he so, this is how much God loved you. He gave his only begotten son, Jesus. Now, when you say, Jesus, Son of God, you might be thinking, uh, you know, something here. The Jews knew exactly what Jesus meant when he said he was the Son of God. They said, you know what? They wanted to kill him. They picked up stones and said, you know what? You uh, not only were breaking the Sabbath, but now you're claiming to be making yourself equal with God because you're saying God's your Father. So what happened is, is Jesus, who is God the Son, fully God, fully equal with the Father, came down out of his love to the cross and God put my sins and your sins and the sins of all the world upon Jesus because the penalty of, of sin is death. And so the rightful sentence to a person because of their sin and separation falling short of God's righteous mark, living the life your own way apart from him, the penalty of that is death. But God said this, whoever will believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life, an abundant life, an eternal life. God wants to set you free. Brothers and sisters, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, your first step is, is to say, I'm done relying upon myself and how good I can be and how religious I can be or how many good deeds I can do. But I'm gonna say my only trust is in Jesus and what he did as the son of God who took my penalty upon himself, took my sin in exchange, gave me his righteousness and his life. And when you do that, you've entered into life. And my encouragement today is that life is what the scripture calls life indeed. And some of us, even as believers, most of that life is in the 5% of our head. <laughs> we need to walk with God and ask him to take that and make us know it in the core of our being so we can walk free and full of joy in Jesus' name. So Father, I just come to you and I just pray today that You'd be pleased to take what we shared, Ava, myself, your word. And God, would you speak to each one of us where we are today with what we need? I ask in Jesus' name, amen.